Welcome to Newsmax Daily for Tuesday, July 25th, 2023, the 30th Tuesday of the year, the 35th day of summer, and we are exactly five months away from Christmas Day. Today is Carousel Day. A mechanical piece of art that is really, really deep-rooted in world history, dating way back to before America even existed. Some of the most celebrated carousels in America today, as you may know, include what's believed to be the world's largest at Wisconsin's House on the Rock, the Walt Disney World Carousel in Orlando, which was built in 1917 for Detroit before going to Disney World in 1971. Jane's Carousel in Brooklyn, New York, which is not very far from Coney Island, where one of the very first carousels in the United States was built. And it was built by the same person who's also responsible for the carousel at the Santa Monica Pier. I cannot say the Santa Monica Pier without thinking of that Sheryl Crow tune. It just gets stuck in your head. But wherever you live, I'm sure there is a historic carousel that brings back great family memories. By the way, I did not hear from anyone in my family, my cousins, two or three that I know listen to the Newsmax daily yesterday for Cousins Day. By the way, there is a Carousel Association of America that was established in 1973 to help preserve the rich history of carousels in the United States. I still feel like my voice is not exactly right after the rough weekend I had with the Leonard Skinner ZZ Top concert, and there may have been some alcohol involved. On the food calendar, today is National Cheese and Wine Day. You can't go wrong with that. It is also National Hot Fudge Sunday, one of my all-time favorites. National Hot Fudge Sunday Day. That, my friend, is a stellar lineup for a Tuesday, which, of course, is always Taco Tuesday. So maybe some tacos and a hot fudge sundae or maybe some wine and cheese to get started, then the tacos, then the hot fudge sundae. And while you were likely sleeping, air raid sirens were going off again in Ukraine's capital city of Kiev this morning as Russia launched its sixth drone attack on that city this month. However, Ukrainian officials say the country's air defense system downed all of the drones. There were no casualties and no major structural damage. Amazing. The drones that Russia has been using, by the way, made by Iran. And at the White House... So I've been I've been asked this question a million times. The answer is not going to change. The answer remains the same. The president ha was never in business with his son. I just don't have anything else to add. That's Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre in Monday's White House briefing in response to reporters finally asking questions about all of the allegations that a Ukrainian energy executive paid Joe Biden and his son Hunter millions of dollars. This is Greg Kelly, host of Greg Kelly Reports. Have you ever looked at all the houses this guy has? He admitted, actually, all the way back to when he was a teenager, he had a lust for real estate. Does that sound like somebody who should be involved in public service, right? A career public servant? How do you square that with the lust for real estate? It's nice to invest. Everybody's got to do that. But and you see all the things that he likes. We didn't get to play this earlier. It's kind of interesting when Joe bragged about how uh, how little money he had. I was illicit for all the years. I was the senator, the poorest man in the United States Congress. 
I had the dubious distinction of being listed as the poorest man in Congress for 36 years. I had the great pleasure of being listed as the poorest man in Congress for 36 years. Uh, let's take a look at the poorest man's stuff all one more time. <laughs> uh, the mansion in McLean, the mansion at the beach, the DuPont mansion, the car, all this stuff. And the Rolex watches, the fancy clothes. He dresses very expensively. Always had. Oh, what a phony, huh? What a phony. But we nailed him. And this guy, Joe Biden, you ain't black, Joe Biden, lecturing the world about diversity. You've heard this about diversity, right? Our... <laughs> greatest strength. It's a cliche, but it's true. Our greatest strength as a country is in our uh, diversity. Yeah. Diversity is our greatest strength, is a great strength as a nation. I've always believed that one of the greatest threats of America, and you're tired of hearing me say it, is our diversity. But I believe that. What does it really mean, though? What, what does that mean? It sounds... I used to think it sounds nice. I don't think it sounds nice anymore. I don't want to... It shouldn't matter what people look like. And if there are too many people, say... Too many black people in one spot. Is that bad? Too many white people in one spot. Is that bad? So these conversations were happening in corporate America <laughs> and they're still happening, but it's getting very, very awkward and weird. They call this in The Wall Street Journal, the rise and fall of the chief diversity officer. For a while there, companies were falling all over themselves, hiring these people, but they really had no idea what they were supposed to do. They were hiring them for optics. Look at us. We've hired a chief diversity officer. Aren't we great? But they take up a lot of money. Sometimes they can cause headaches and problems. And they've been firing them left and right. And uh, it seems to be going by the wayside. Greg Kelly reports weeknights at 10 o'clock Eastern. And Carl Higby picks up coverage on Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden. Okay. The crackhead first son, who is subject of not only a guilty pleading, but multiple other investigations, he files an ethics complaint against Marjorie Taylor Greene for showing a picture that he took, by the way, of him and a hooker that he took a tax deduction on. This government is not salvageable. Now, if you're a Republican and you have any faith in our institutions whatsoever, and you don't think there needs to be a giant overhaul or firing of, like, half the government, you need to be primary. I'm sorry. Now, you know what? I'm not sorry. This is why they hate Donald Trump so much. He is the first modern-day president to leave office with a lower net worth than when he went in. Not to mention the fact he donated, like, 100% of his salary while he was in office. Almost everyone else has come out of office substantially more wealthy than when they went in. Joe Biden. This... He's so old that he served in Congress alongside people who were born in the 1800s. He has been in government for over half a century, and his net worth is known to be around $10 million that we know about. Two luxury homes for what? What product has he sold that has made anyone's life, whose name isn't Biden, better? But this is not unique to the big guy. The Obamas, they entered the White House with 1.3 million, yeah, real man of the people, 1.3 million net worth in 2008. Now, they're worth 70 million. And this is according to International Business Times. I'm not making this up. Chuck Schumer, one of our nation's richest senators, has been in both houses of Congress dating back to before I was born. The guy was elected in 1981. Today, he's worth 75 million bucks. 12 million of which is in the stock market. Are you really going to sit there and tell me that he's never made a successful trade with knowledge that he had that you and I aren't privy to? I mean, I can't prove it, 
but I wasn't born yesterday. This egregious wealth is not just unique to Democrats, though. Mitch McConnell, according to Forbes, sits atop a multi-million dollar fortune somewhere around $30 million. Been in government 40 years, never earning more than 200 grand, owned two nice homes. Adam Schiff, the guy who was just kicked off a committee for lying to us for four years. His net worth, $60 million through his business investments. Right, sure. I wouldn't hire this guy to walk my dog. You're going to tell me that he adds so much star-spangled awesome to any business that he can legitimately accrue 60 million bucks? Fat chance, dude. Star-spangled awesomeness. I do like that. Donald Trump is obviously the biggest example of someone giving up wealth to be in office. But, you know, there have been people like Mitt Romney, who was very wealthy before getting into politics, like him or not. Senator Rick Scott, the former Florida governor, very wealthy, going to Capitol Hill to try and change things. Even John Kerry and some others who actually went to Washington because they wanted to do something other than become rich. It's amazing to me how many people, how many Americans will criticize the rich people who get into government but don't care about the actual politicians who are using their position to get rich, except for presidents who are obviously going to write a book or do speaking engagements, etc. And you would not believe the sums of money that former presidents get to give speeches. But not if you try to impeach a president so then you can write a book about it and get wealthy. Have you researched how many books were actually written, mostly by Democrats, in the last few years about Donald Trump? It's crazy. Let's go back to Carl Higby, who spoke with Laura Trump. Appreciate you joining me on this. I, you know, like every day going from the DMV to the federal all the way up to the federal government, I don't trust these people for anything. <laughs> oh, and nor should you. They've proven time and time again, Carl, you cannot trust these people. I think, you know, if you add, ask the average person out there, they really don't trust the federal government in any sort of way. And, and it's a really sad thing to actually have to say in the United States of America. I mean, we are supposed to be the beacon of hope to all of those around the world facing things like tyranny, communism, oppression. And here we are saying, well, we really don't trust the system because they've proven you can't trust them. Uh, and it's a really sad situation in America. And I think that's why, as we head towards November of 2024, towards this presidential election, we say every four years, this is the most important election. Mm -hmm. This is the most important election in the history of this country. Mm -hmm. If we get this one wrong, we really will not have a country left. This will be an unrecognizable country going forward. I think people feel it, and it's because of the nonsense like you just talked about. I know. Well, the, and going more into the weeds, the FBI reportedly told Delaware U.S. attorney it had already partially corroborated Biden's bribery claims. Uh, like they've known all this all along. They stonewalled us. They didn't say it. They withheld the, the 1023s. They are not representing us and working for us or the rule of law. How can anybody vote for this in the next election? Well, I hope people are paying attention. I hope people are taking notes. I hope people listened to your opening monologue. You know what the average salary in the United States Congress is? It's around $174,000. Yet you have all of these people, multi-millionaires. How did that happen? 
Remember how they impeached Donald Trump for his phone call with President Zelensky of yeah. Ukraine? What would he have found out there, Carl? He would have found out what we are now seeing, that Joe Biden has been compromised for a long time, that he and his son Hunter took a bribe from Burisma, from a Ukrainian energy company, and it was for favors curried here in the United States while Joe Biden was vice president. Why isn't it that they would want us to find this out? That's because they've all in the United States Congress, in the, in Washington, D.C., in the swamp, these same people have been doing the same dirty tricks for a long time. They don't want to be exposed either. It's disgusting. Laura Trump on front line with Carl Higby. All of this while another indictment of President Trump is looming. Florida Congressman Matt Gates filling in last night for the vacationing Rob Schmidt. We don't need Jack Smith to tell us what happened on January 6th, actually. We all saw the explicit words and actions of President Trump. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Now, Jack Smith needs another statute to broadly interpret, to twist and torture, to ensnare a prominent Republican. This time, it just happens to be the dominant frontrunner for the Republican nomination for president of the United States. So enter the deprivation of rights statute. You need to know this. If it sounds vague, it was enacted for a very specific reason. Just after the Civil War, Congress wanted to give the federal government the power to go after the KKK for murdering people. Hardly analogous to giving a political speech at the White House, I know. The deprivation of rights statute has subsequently been used to punish corrupt prison guards for mistreating prisoners. Now, deprivation of rights is the weapon of choice wielded by special counsel Jack Smith to target President Trump, all for acting within the confines of the law. Don't you see the pattern? Step one, find your political opponent to target. Maybe it's an NSA whistleblower or a Republican governor, now Trump. Step two, find a near ancient statute and then reinterpret that statute as broadly as possible to categorize conduct as criminal, which otherwise wouldn't be. Step three, you may have to abandon these charges as in the case of Thomas Drake. You may even lose on appeal as you did with Governor McDonnell but you can destroy the life and career and future of your target nonetheless. All for politics. Make the process the punishment. That's the Jack Smith playbook. We've seen it before. And even if you're not a Trumper, isn't this unsettling to you? Do you really want a government that first defines the target and then defines the criminal culpability? Florida Congressman Matt Gates on Rob Schmidt tonight, keeping with the theme of being guilty before even having a chance to prove your innocence. The IRS said on Monday that it will no longer show up at people's homes and businesses unannounced. IRS Commissioner Danny Waffle, not the same guy that played for the Florida Gators, I don't think, said showing up unannounced has created stress for taxpayers weary of possible scams, and for the IRS agents who don't know what to expect when showing up. Yeah, no kidding. Sooner or later, one of them would probably end up getting shot. And that's not meant to be a joke or anything. That is just the reality of the world that we live in today. The IRS is now like a SWAT division, and you can get fired for being a dedicated employee. 
Courage is penalized yet again. On June 25th, Joseph Berry, his niece, Takia Berry, and Jamar Lawton reportedly stole over $2,000 worth of merchandise from a Lowe's store in Rincon, Georgia. Takia gave uh, Donna Hainsborough, an employee there of 13 years, a black eye for grabbing her cart in an attempt to stop them. Police say that um, uh, Joseph and Takia are still at large. They're still at large. They got away and they're on the run. Uh, rather than awarding the brave employees' uh, efforts to stop the thieves, they instead fired Donna because she was attempting to stop thieves. And, and that's a policy violation at Lowe's. So it's a free-for-all at Lowe's, I guess. That's Chris Plant, host of The Right Squad on Newsmax. Last night, former Pennsylvania Senator Rick Santorum and Newsmax host Jen Pellegrino were a part of the squad. This is why you see many more populist Republicans who are anti-big business because big business is about one thing, and this is clear, they're about money. This mm -hmm. has nothing to do with establishing a culture yeah. or morality. This is lawyers made the decisions that if employees try to stop people, the employees could get hurt, which means they'll sue them, they'll sue the company for which they work, and it'll be a bigger, it, it'll be much more money than just letting the shoplifter take that money. So this, is, this was a calculation based on how much money it is that we're going to lose in shoplifting versus all the problems if the employees are hurt right. and all the suits that will come after that. And they made, a, made that decision. Let them live with it. And we're it. seeing this rise in retail theft around the country, right? Yeah. Look at how many stores have left cities like San Francisco because well, of what's ultimate. going on. These places yeah. getting ransacked. Yep. So these stores have developed these no-tolerance policies. It happened at a Lululemon, uh, also in the state of Georgia, just a couple of months ago, where employees were let go because they, again, tried to intervene when they saw a situation. And I feel for these employees, you know, Jason, I think you make a great point, but you know, people, I think most people want to do what they feel is morally right. You see something happening, you want to stop it, you want to do the right thing. Uh, but then, you know, these retailers want to then make an example out of people like this 68 year old woman uh, who worked at that, at that Lowe's, uh, who now is without a job, has a black eye, and you know, they want other people shop at to... the local hardware store. Yeah, yeah exactly. Values, right? Yeah. Stop it's shopping at these big stores can... that don't care about you. Maybe. Well, and Lululemon, they, they fired the the two women yeah. employees who dared to call the police and they did make a minor effort to stop the shoplifters that were stealing again thousands and thousands of dollars worth of merchandise and they fired him there was a, a bit of a public uproar and lululemon has refused to hire them back they're fired and that's, you know what they'll do lululemon will just charge you more for your and that's for your outfits right some of the big chain stores have announced that they've lost a billion dollars yeah. a billion dollars in who a year. pays for that and that's passed along exactly. to the consumer and then and then they're ringing the dinner bell and saying to thieves uh, we've got a policy here where you can steal whatever you want. The bad guys and girls have nothing to fear, and that's making America a very fearful place to live. Chris Plant and the Right Squad, weeknights at 9 o'clock Eastern on Newsmax. Check it out tonight. At the White House today, President Biden's announcing a proposed rule that would force insurance companies to obey a 15-year-old law that requires them to treat mental and physical health payments equally. The White House claims insurance companies are not doing that now. Biden's proposal would crack down on violators and reduce a lot of red tape. The president will also establish a national monument remembering Emmett Till, the 14-year-old African-American boy who was kidnapped, tortured, and lynched in Mississippi in 1955 after being accused of flirting with a white woman.
and Twitter, or X, as Elon Musk now wants it to be called, may have a snag while rolling out the new logo. It appears that Elon's biggest rival, Mark Zuckerberg, and Meta, a.k.a. Facebook, already hold the rights to X. Meta had registered an X logo in connection to online social networking services and social networking services in the fields of entertainment, gaming, and application development. Yesterday, there was a lot of talk about what we would call tweeting if the platform isn't called Twitter anymore. Then I thought about the Twitter files, which just released more compelling must-know information last week. Twitter files journalist Matt Taibbi spoke with Greta Van Susteren. Here's the thing that I don't understand, Matt, is who gets to decide what the truth is? That's what is, is so appalling to me, is all the people who want to censor people on Twitter, they get to make the rules as what's true and what's not true. Um, your thoughts on that? Well, that's what's so interesting, Greta. I mean, traditionally in America, the courts have always held that the, the remedy for bad speech is better speech. Uh, and we have a very high standard legally, as you know, for government intervention in speech cases. Uh, it's you know incitement to imminent lawless action. And you know, Robert F. Kennedy is nowhere near that. And what's interesting about his case with these social media requests is that he has probably the clearest um, argument for a, a sort of a layup First Amendment case than as anybody that we saw in the Twitter files, because we see these requests that say things like requests to take action immediately or to uh, get moving on the process for having this removed ASAP, uh, requests from Senator Schatz to have this taken down. Uh, so and so. So it's not like we're asking it's more like an order. Journalist Matt Taibbi of the Twitter files. So then I guess the Twitter files would have to be called the X files, which is going to lead to more legal problems because of the X files. This will also only intensify the competition and or the animosity between the two mega rich tech giants who may or may not actually fight it out in a cage match. And don't forget, Newsmax is available on most major cable systems, AT&T, Comcast, Xfinity, Cox, Cable, Spectrum, DirecTV, and Dish, and your favorite platforms like Apple TV, Amazon, Roku, and many others. Be sure to download the Newsmax app on your phone so you can watch your favorite shows anywhere, anytime. Thank you, as always, for listening to Newsmax Daily. I'm Tony Marino. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, and keep on fighting the good fight. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere.